Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Future Living Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Miller. We've got an episode today that I think you'll enjoy around a $100,000 journey to free cash flow. Emil Shore is on the episode today. Check him out. Emil, how are you, man? How you been? I'm great, man. I'm super glad we got to connect and I'm, I'm excited to be on the other side of the mic today, actually, for once. <laughs> it's always good, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm excited to learn a little bit more about your podcast. I've been listening, catching up. Um, you know, I came across you on Twitter recently and I just reached out and said, hey, I love what you're doing. Welcome to the Future Living Podcast. This will actually be our, our first episode of season three. Um, and I decided to come back to it. You know, everything is out of the studio and on video these days post COVID. Uh, we were kind of just laughing about that. But why don't you give everybody uh, a little background on what you're up to? Because um, not only what you're doing on your on your own and your podcast, but uh, you work with a cool company too that's doing a lot of stuff in the real estate uh, tech world. So uh, we'd love to learn a little bit more. Yeah. And uh, thank you for having me on for the first episode. I'll try not to let your listeners down and live up to the moment. <laughs> it's a big task, right? Yeah. Yeah. My name is Emil Shore. I work at a company called Roofstock. We are a marketplace where people can come and buy and sell single family rental homes. Uh, and, you know, we provide some technology and a lot of the upfront due diligence so that people can make easy investing decisions. A lot of our investors are based throughout the country. So we have a lot of remote investors who, you know, live on the coast, live in an expensive city where it's pretty tough to get into real estate, you know, the Bay area, just really hard to invest in real estate. And so we go out and we find, uh, attractive properties in the Midwest and the Southeast and other markets around the country that, uh, have a little bit lower barrier of entry and can have higher returns, uh, do inspections on them, do a full pro forma and underwriting on them, and then present them to investors to invest. And so, yeah, we're a marketplace so people can come buy and sell. Um, you know, it's a common misconception. People come to Roofstock and they're like, oh, are these your homes? And it's like, no, we're a marketplace. We're just connecting buyer and seller in our niches, single family. And so my role within the company, I work in growth marketing, uh, specifically on the buyer side. I'm doing user acquisition is the main area I'm focusing in. So working on different channels to help bring in new buyers to the site, educate them, help them uh, figure out the right property for them is, is kind of my wheelhouse. That's awesome. And, you know, like always setting up for a perfect, easy transition for me. Thank you so much. But like, that was one of the things that I kind of obviously you what your job is, and actually what applies to what seems to be like your hobby. And you're, you know, if you're if you're on the Twitters all the time, it's everybody's side hustle, right? But, uh, you know, your journey to 100k in cash flow. Uh, and that's what kind of saw that. And I thought it was so interesting, somebody who is, you know, working in a company that helps other people do that. And you're sitting here eating your own dog food, doing it and writing about it. I thought it was so cool. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about that kind of 100K or your path to 100K, where you're at um, and how's that going? Yeah. So the funny thing is, is I started investing in 2017 and the first couple of properties I bought was through Roofstock. So that's how I found out about the company. So I was obviously a big fan, had made a big impact in my life. I live in Los Angeles. Again, another one of those people who lives in an expensive coastal city. Uh, my dad invests in real estate here. He got in a, a little bit earlier than me and later in his life. So he had some money built up and could get into the market. But for me, it just wasn't really an option. So stumbled across Roofstock, made that dream possible, became a big fan of the company and uh, the stars aligned and now I get to kind of help other people learn about the company and um, hopefully begin 
or grow their real estate portfolio. Um, so yeah, the hundred K, you know, I have, uh, working in marketing. I like writing. I like, you know, kind of just mm -hmm. documenting the journey. It's kind of something like marketers do. It's just talk about what's going on, just document the journey. Um, it's just a good way to, to not only like learn yourself cause you're, you're writing it and you have to synthesize all these different thoughts, but it's just good to give back. You know, like I've, I've listened to tons of podcasts, read tons of blogs and it's cool to just be like, okay, here, here's what I'm doing as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so the hundred K the, the reason I said a hundred K is that would basically, it just sounds like a nice round number, hundred K, right? Yeah. We can all like, it's funny. I think if you ask 10 real estate investors, what their goal is when they started, it's probably the same one, build, mm -hmm. build a hundred K in passive income. So part of it is like, I don't know, I, maybe I wasn't creative enough to come up with my own unique one, but I think at a hundred K it gives me a lot of flexibility in terms of like, how do I spend my time right now? I'm a, yeah. I'm a full-time employee and I enjoy that, but ultimately I want to get to the point where I can just have a little bit more time flexibility, right? Just kind of choose what I work on. Maybe I'm doing some small stuff on the side and, um, that amount kind of just helps, uh, pad our income, pad our lifestyle. Also, yeah. you know, at a certain point it helps me, my wife retire from her job. She's, She's a registered nurse, which is a super, super demanding job. Yeah, so gosh, like right now, thank you for everything yeah, she's doing. Yeah. I know she's, she's my hero. And, um, you know, it's, it just gives us a lot of flexibility in terms of what does that allow us to do in the future? Yeah. So how's it going? Like, where are you at in this journey? How many, what's your empire look like? Um, and what are some of the things that you're doing to kind of, you know, help you get on that path and kind of hack, hack your way to it? Yeah. So, um, one of the things I do on my site and documenting this is I do a yearly, uh, income report just to show like, here are all the numbers. Here's how much income we made. Here's how many, how much we paid in repairs, every single detail I'm mm -hmm. documenting it and sharing with readers every year. So last year we ended at around our cash flow number was around 7,000 across. I bought my fourth single family home last year. So seven, seven K, uh, across four properties, and there's, there's this funny thing about real estate. I think a lot of people assume it's a very get rich quick. Like you buy a couple of properties and now you're a millionaire and it's so far from the truth. Sure. It's uh, you can, there's no doubt about that, but it's also, you know, the, there's the, the long haul and it can it take some time to kind of build that, you know, what you're banking on as a real estate investor is rent growth over time, hopefully some appreciation that lets you cash out, refinance, you know, do a cash mm -hmm. out, refinance, pull out that money, go buy more properties. It just gives you this, this asset that allows you so much flexibility to keep growing and, and building on top of it. So anyway, long winded answer of, we ended at 7,000, around 7,000 in cash flow last year across four properties. And so I think you mentioned, what are we doing to, to yeah. kind of grow it in the future? So one thing I've done, you know, the main thing I've done to date, we started in 2017. I've bought one or two properties every year since then, about two nice. in 2017, and then one in 18, one in 19. And what I'm starting to realize, single family is such an awesome place to start. It's just like easier. Uh, you know, you have one tenant. It's just easier to understand it's a home. It feels like training wheels almost. Like, you it, know, like Exactly. Can, yeah. So yeah. I started with single family and now I'm, you know, you start to kind of creep into the the multifamily space. So now I'm looking at four to six unit properties to just mm -hmm. be able to, to cash flow faster. Right. Sure. It's the, the thing with uh multifamily is you're, you're not, it's not like one unit 
on a single family scales to the cost with like a four unit. It's not like a, a single family homes, a hundred thousand and a four unit is 400. So it's like the, the cost doesn't rise with it, with mm-hmm. uh, what you're trying to get to. And so it's just an easier way to cash flow, right? It gives you economies of scale. It just gives you, um, I think a better path to cash flow over the long run. So still like single family and not, um, not, uh, what's the word? Not gonna, I think there'll be times to invest in single family, especially when there's like housing bubbles and things like that. Right. And definitely seems like a strange time right now. Right. Like I've got a lot of friends that are selling a lot of single family homes and even selling them to, you know, folks off of rootstock and stuff. And it's because there's investors trying to throw in. So you would think in the middle of the world going absolutely crazy, like we're all working through right now is, the, the housing, there'd be something going on with housing, but it only seems to go up just like the stock market. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like, you know, you're hearing stories of people putting a home on the market and they're getting above asking right now when we have double digit unemployment and like yeah. it, it just it, reality and what's happening in investment markets, right? Like equities, like you mentioned and real estate, they're like so disconnected right now. It's, it's a weird time. It is. We were joking on Twitter the other day. I was like, yeah, don't you remember? Stocks only go up, right? They only That's just right. go up. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it is, it's kind of a strange time. And um, so do you, do you think, are you kind of personal strategy, you kind of holding waiting out to see kind of what's going to happen over the next few months before you buy kind of your next property? I'm not, I'm actually actively looking and making offers. Nice. I'm just, um, I'm, I'm being picky and I, I know the return I'm looking for. And if I don't get that, I'm not really budging. I think <clears throat> I'm starting to realize your biggest competitor as a real estate investor, when you're, you're not institutional, or whatever is other investors who are willing to take a lower return than you. Right. Cause sure. then they're going to, they're going to overbid you. And like, you either allow yourself to find ways to find property otherwise, right? Maybe you go off market, mm-hmm. maybe you do direct marketing, whatever it is. If you have a certain uh, return you're aiming for, or otherwise it's like, I don't know. I'm, I, I, I'm trying to stick to my guns. I'm not in a rush right now. Right. And just aiming for the return I, I want to see. If anything, I, I think what I've, what I've tried to learn on, on this side of the kind of building your, building your portfolio up, I've seen somebody go, you know, it's, the natural progression is one to two, two to four, four to mm-hmm. eight, 16, and then keep building from there. But it definitely seems like, you know, don't get into that game where I've got to just go, you know, buy up as much as I can or do whatever I can stick to your guns, know what you can, what you can maintain. And, um, you can find the deals. Right. And a, lo- a lot of times you'll early on set an arbitrary goal. Like I'm going to buy one property every year for 10 years. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you're coming up on September you're like, Oh man, I haven't bought my property for this year. And then that like forces you to do something silly instead of just being like, you know, I'm in a good spot. If anything, you're just saving more money and you have more buying power for when that right deal comes along. I don't think you should like rush into it. Totally. And it sounds like you're the type of guy too, that like kind of thinks of this a little bit like a game and it's like a hobby as well. So if you're, you're, you seem like, like me, like I'm a nerd where like, other people go play video games. I'm like, I was looking at a spreadsheet last night and kind of checking these things out, you know, trying to figure it all out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm up to like, man, I, I sleep late these days. Cause I'm just in spreadsheets and like just underwriting homes all the time, seeing like it, looking back at homes that I was looking at when they get sold, what do they sell for? Sure. Why did, why did this investor make that, Playing that same stock market game you were? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's, 
so in marketing, a lot of what you're doing, you know, yeah, we put out campaigns and blah, 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 and like email and ads and stuff. But really what you're, what you're doing is in a way playing this game. And it's like, what, what persuades and gets people to act? That's really, to me, what marketing is, is like, how do you, how do you attract people? Right. Which is a lot of psychology. And then how do you actually move them to take action? How do you like instill something in them that they're like, I want to get out of my current state and do this other thing or buy this thing or get on board with this service. That's going to take me from where I am now to somewhere else. So uh, yeah, definitely there's like this game aspect to real estate investing that I really like as well. That's cool. Um, So, you know, a lot of this, this podcast is obviously around future living. A lot of it's around technology using uh, how it relates to our built world and everything. What sorts of technology, obviously you're using a lot of probably pricing technology and prop tech, some of those things, do some of your underwriting. What, how does technology play into what you're doing and how, how you're trying to kind of create this, um, your, your portfolio? Yeah. So because I'm a, I invest remotely. So Midwest and Southeast, um, I'm leaning on my property managers to to like choose the right software. Like I've n- I haven't come across a property manager that doesn't use something online where I can check everything. Mm-hmm. Like most of them are either using propertyware or a system that they've built themselves. And it's just That's interesting actually. Can I pause it? Like how many do you come across that have their own systems and what are they like? Is it like a, a bunch of different types of systems? Like what's going on? There's only one. So there's this, this property management company called great Jones. Um, and they are, I forget where they're based. They're based either in New York or Florida and they actually, their model is like they go out and buy other property management companies and then just put them under like local property management companies and put them under great Jones and use like their technology and software to really like streamline everything. Um, so great Jones, they have their own portal. Um, I, I use them for my property in St. Louis and my property in Indianapolis. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen, we've seen some of that too. It's just like, there's so many different, and there's a lot of software out there and uh, it's always interesting because none of them all talk to each other. No, (laughs) a lot of some of the bigger ones as they start to scale there, you know, I know some folks that have actually started to build some of their own um, basically a whole system on top of Salesforce, um, which I thought was interesting. I was like interesting application, but I could see how it's very useful. That is interesting. I never would have thought uh, you could use Salesforce for like managing your portfolio. Yeah, I, they were. Uh, it's a. It was a guy that was uh, very ex, uh, like a sales, very sales driven company. They started building up a whole <laughs> property management system, and he forced his leasing agents to start using it to track all their leads that they were trying to go get into, and they got really good at it, and ended up just building everything on top. I was like, fascinating. Hard to hard to compete with that one. That's good. Yeah, that's super smart. It's a really yeah. good application for it. Yeah. But sorry, I kind of cut you off it, but uh, what other sort of technology and, and stuff that you're using beyond that? Yeah. So, I mean, the main one I, I live in right now, I mean, like everyone, uh, I have a spreadsheet. I feel like if you're, there is no real estate investor who's not using either like a Google sheet or Excel. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, I wouldn't consider that like really technology or whatever we want to call it. The other thing I'm using, I use this tool called deal check, uh, that helps me analyze properties. It's really cool. And like, it allows you to move properties. Uh, you can like analyze a, a deal as a burr investment, which is the buy, 
uh, rehab, rent, refinance model. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, okay, what are my numbers if I burn this property versus if I just bought it as a rental straight up? What do those look like? Um, those are like the main tools that I'm using personally, like in my day to day right now. I actually got access to another thing called um, a prop stream. So I've just been lucky. Like I've heard of them recently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just got like someone on our team uses it for acquisitions. And so like, I just nerded out on it and like helps me. I'm actually running uh, like direct mail campaign right now. Cause the listings are just, there's nothing coming on the market yeah. for what I'm looking for. So I'm literally using Google maps, just scouring streets where I want to invest, pulling addresses, and then like using this tool to figure out, how many units are there? How big is the lot size? Like, do I know bed and bath? And just basically trying to write offers in letters and seeing if I get anything from that. It's, I mean, you know what though? Like those are the, that's like, those are the hacks that people end up writing books about, right? Like, yeah. Oh, how did I grow this? Well, I started actually just going really old school. And it's funny <laughs> you say that we, we've been doing direct mail campaigns at home base, uh, just sending that directly out and it works. Like the funny totally. thing, the funny thing about our customer base is they actually answer their phones and they answer, they they look at their mail, and we can find their addresses just by googling apartments, comma city. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's I I didn't realize how easy it is to go and find uh, a property owner's address. Like you can just go on the tax assessor's website. This tool I was mentioning, PropStream. They I think they pull from the tax assessor as well, and. Um, it's a, you know, this campaign I'm doing, it's like a lot of hours, but it's kind of cool. And then I'm like learning it and I'm hopefully if it works, I can create a better system and like, I don't know, hire a VA to do all the painful stuff that I've been spending late, late hours in the night working on. Figure out the jobs to be done, figure out how to do it and then find somebody to go do it and go figure out the next job. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Love it. Well, you know, one of the ways, one of the way I found you, and one of the things I wanted to touch on before we hit our lightning round questions, because we're running out of time, is you know this kind of Twitter hustle or like the the, the this uh, I kind of laugh, but it's like the real estate Twitter that's shown up, right? Yeah. And I don't know if it's just like I stumbled upon it in the last four or six months that <laughs> COVID's happened, but I, it seems like it's exploding, and there's everyone out there. A, they have their own like gay Gumroad. Uh, you know, newsletter <laughs> sign up to or Substack or something like that. Um, but I am making a lot of jokes, but there's a lot of like really good knowledge out there. And a lot of folks that have actually, it seems like kind of a, quite a community that people are very engaged. They are sharing a lot of knowledge. And I mean, that's how I found you and just reached out. So, you know, talk to me about that because you seem very engaged in that kind of world as well. Yeah. What's funny is I discovered it pretty recently as well. I probably discovered it. Yeah. Same time frame, like four to six months ago. It's, it's funny. There's like, there's like money Twitter, which is like what you mentioned, right. the gum road and the side yeah. and all that. But then there's like a, a subsect of it. That's like real estate Twitter. And I've kind of even broken that into two groups. There's like, there's like the big dogs who are like real estate, private equity or yeah. the sponsor syndicate guys. Mm-hmm. who are raising money from, you know, high net worth guys and investing there. And then there's like the smaller mom and pop, like myself as an example, like I'm just buying p- properties myself, nothing huge. I'm not buying like 50 to hundred unit apartment buildings. Like I'm just going one property at a time. And so like, it's kind of cool. I had no idea this community really existed. It's like, you know, I, I feel like bigger pockets has that a little bit, yeah. but 
over the years, I don't know, they, they have a lot of vendors, not to, to I, I love bigger pockets, but a lot of vendors have jumped in and the forums mm-hmm. just become a, a vendor pylon when you ask questions, yeah. which kind of sucks. Um, but Twitter's just become like this, this, so again, you have all these different kinds of real estate people and they're all just sharing wisdom. Like everyone's pretty supportive. Yeah. Um, like you mentioned, like you, you reached out to me and now we're on a podcast. Like how cool is that? Right. Like real relationships and totally. connections are being built. So I, uh, I spent too much time on Twitter now cause I love it. And I, I'm just learning all the time. I'm like these people are super smart. I just want to learn from them. Total rabbit holes for myself as well. Um, I, I spent way too much time, but it's just like, <laughs> it's just all knowledge. Like it really is. And it's, it, it's been, been enlightening for me. Um, obviously you're on my podcast. You have a podcast as well. I've learned a lot from it. Um, talk about it. Thanks, man. Um, appreciate the shout out. So we host a podcast. I'm, I'm one of the co-hosts, uh, myself, Michael Albaum and, and Tom Schneider and my other co-hosts at Rivestock. It's called the remote real estate investor. And the reason we started it was there's a lot of podcasts out there about real estate investing, rental properties, things like that. But no one was really talking about this growing segment, which we see firsthand at Roofstock is all these people buying out of state, long distance, whatever you want to call it. So we're like, you know what, let's, let's start a show where we just talk about like, we're all remote investors. Yeah. Let's just talk about what's going on and how other, you know, it's, it's a different approach. It's not like you just go around your city and um, there's a lot of other things you have to take into consideration. So that was the theme and it's like a cool little niche we've started and it's been really fun. So we have like, you know, we'll just have like these panel style episodes where it's the three of us chatting about a topic or we'll bring on guests and just pick their brain and see how they're doing it. I love it. I've, it's been very enjoyable listening to it when I hit the sauna uh, quite a bit. That's been a new, uh, it's been a new hobby of mine. So I appreciate it. Yeah. So we're running out of time, but every uh, podcast we end with these like quick lightning fire. And one of my first, like my, my favorite question that we, we came up with that I love to ask everybody is like, what particular business or service is going to be completely obsolete in the next 10 years? Like in other words, other words, like who is the next blockbuster? Ooh, are we talking about in real estate or just in general? Anybody. I mean, pick anybody, anybody in the world. Oh man. Um, the first one that's popping into my head and I, I'm probably... I don't know. I don't even know if this is right, but my, my friend is a, uh, he's a pharmacist. And to me, that always just felt like something I'm like, can we have computers? Just if you type in your allergies and all these things and, uh, what, what medication you're on that it could just figure out like what they're kind of doing in their head. It seems like a very, if then kind of logic stream to me, the pharmacist seems like, I don't know. That makes that seems a lot of sense. I've never gotten that one. That's a good one. I think you see with uh, with Walmart's and Amazon's and everybody in the world. That's probably not too far off. Maybe so. Not a business, but I mean, I guess that's a a profession. A lot of them that could be going away. That's that's for sure. Um, so I'm interested in this one because you know usually like these uh, devices. What device have you acquired in the last few months that have like changed everything? Usually we're all out and about in the world, but we're all been locked in and for a while. So. How I'm curious, is there a device and I heard one of your kids in the background a little bit ago, is there something that maybe they got them that uh, has helped save your life as you've been working from home? Oh man, we're, uh, so my daughter, Ella, she's a little over a year. We're pretty device. We, we don't give her a lot of like flashing or electronic stuff. The, the thing that I actually got recently, I got an iWatch like a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, 
I don't know. I felt like I was, I was kind of bored. I'm like, let me just get something for myself. I watch sounds cool. You know, I go for yeah. runs a couple of times a week and uh, there's this app that works really well for surfing. And so I wanted to get it for that. And I, I love it, man. It's super nice that I can go on runs and not have to like have my phone, you know, in one of those arm yeah. straps. So I've, I've been like a big fan. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's, that's been a good one. Good purchase. Nice. Nice. So what, uh, what device do you think in the next 10 years, like is going to be the it device, obviously the, the, the smartphone has changed everything. You just, you said the, the iWatch, like, what do you think in the future is going to be kind of that next thing? Oh man, I am, I'm like the wrong person. I'm so like minimal technology. I, I honestly think these, I used to think now that I have the watch, I used to think the wearables was kind of a, a silly fad that would go mm. away quickly. I actually think they're going to be super prominent. I think a lot of people are going to like all the health stuff they have on them. I think they're going to become even more popular and most people will have one. Nice. Nice. So talked a lot about technology, like and how it's changing everything, changing the world. What's one thing that you think technology is not going to change in the future? Oh man. Um, <laughs> especially with COVID going on, you know, we're, a lot of us are doing online interaction. Yeah. And I think after this, we're going to be like, like we're going to really miss in-person connection and like being around each other and that, yes, we can communicate things over these devices, but we, we miss and need in-person connection and interaction. So I don't yeah. think that that can ever be replaced. So agree. So agree. Well, um, so here's one of my last ones for you. And, you know, it's interesting because we started this, you talking about like really trying to create a passive lifestyle where you, you everything's taken care of, right. And you can kind of mm -hmm. focus on your things. So like, what do you think the future of living is going to be like? You see a lot of people taking this on. So you know, describe to me, what the future of living is like uh, with people being able to do these sorts of uh, uh, retire early, if you will, uh, sorts of sorts of lifestyles. Yeah. I think remote is going to get a giant jolt in the arm. I don't think, I don't think like all these companies are going to accept remote forever, but I think a lot of them are going to realize, wow, this is actually great and we don't have to pay for an office and all that. So I think remote less is offices, be, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or less offices, smaller offices, maybe people come in once or twice a week or something. So it's going to, it's going to change things. So I think, I think people are going to move around more, right? Like, I don't think we're going to, I think we're going to be able to be like more geographically dispersed. Mm -hmm. um, and I think people are like, like want space. Obviously I don't think space is going away anytime soon. That's kind of one of the advantages of single family rentals, I think right now. And I, I, the, the other thing is, is I think a lot of people right now have started these side hustles, right? Like other ways to build income. And if you lose your job, I mean, it kind of forces your hand to maybe go figure out a way to make money for yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just like people becoming less reliant on one source of income, which is, which is great. And I love that. So I think it's just, this is going to really change the way people just live and look at finances and the way they earn. Man, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, just seeing people like somebody I've, I've been on the internet my, basically my whole life. Like, so I've always seen these ways of people making more money and, and seeing people recognize that they can, they can use the internet to do that has been very, very cool. Um, well, I love this. This has been such an awesome conversation. Uh, I think that you've knocked it out of the park for the first episode. So uh, why don't you let everybody know how they can find you online, get your podcast, um, check you out online and everything. I'll make Thank sure you, it's man. in the show notes too. 
Absolutely. So, um, best way to kind of interact with me, like you mentioned, Twitter, I mean, I'm pretty active there. So my handle is at Emil Shore, E-M-I-L-S-H-O-U-R. Um, my website, which you mentioned, you can find on my Twitter, uh, and follow along the journey. I don't, I don't email too much just when there's like something interesting to talk about maybe once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, oh, the podcast is the remote real estate investor. So, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, just search for the remote real estate investor. Thanks so much. Thank you, man. This was fun. <laughs>